The name's Steel. Harry Steel. The name's Steel? Rory Steel. And you're listening to Games on Film. I was genuinely interested if you were going to be a fellow James Bond or adopt a Bond girl persona. But no, no, we're just we're just two Bonds, two Bonds here. We're welcome to Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies. But today we are delving into games based on films. And we're finally, finally tackling the James Bond video game franchise. And I have... I don't know. I've just had James Bond blue balls for the last few years. And here we are. It's a week to go. Apparently. At time (laughs) of recording. At time of recording, it's a week to go. This time, seven seven days hence, I will have seen No Time to Die. But I, I can honestly say... I can honestly picture them stopping the film like halfway through saying, nope, nope, stop, stop everything. <laughs> um, but yes, this has been long in the planning this episode. Not necessarily long in the research. We'll get to that. Um, <laughs> but as longtime James Bond fans, we have, of course, played a few, quite a few of the games um, but there's there's a lot I realise that we haven't. So I guess if you're yelling at us, stop getting Bond wrong, we know, okay? We, <laughs> we know. We, we know. I guess No Time to Die, the reason why there is a concern about it, even if it will come out when it's it's meant to, because it's meant to have come out several times, and even before its original release date, it was postponed... I think it was like uh, there were delays from its original release date. And then even before that, this film was going to be made by Danny Boyle in a, in a different iteration. So, you know, the, the, the time between Spectre and this new James Bond film has been a very long time indeed. And No Time to Die was maybe like the first film or at least first big movie to be postponed due to the pandemic and everyone was like why though and then you Mm. look at the world and it's just like i guess it made sense yeah and of course at a time of recording we don't know what the plot is but there was it's not out of the realm of possibility that the plot is about a pandemic or something along those lines uh i'm reminded of one show which came out recently was the falcon and the winter soldier tv show and i won't go into spoilery detail because i I don't think you or a number of people have watched it but it has real it has a really real vibe that nothing really makes sense and some people have pointed to perhaps it was a, a sort of a pandemic style um plot but they edited that out so we can release it during the pandemic but you know Everything's back to normal now. There's a Resident Evil film coming out later this year. Why the Why the Last Man has uh, just launched based on the iconic graphic novel, but that starts with like 
people dying because of a plague and so everyone's everything's, fine with it now everything's fine with it now just, the, the day just, and age we live in nothing is too soon nothing well okay i just remember the day after 9 11 yeah we're, talk, we're, we're talking about 9 11 on this podcast um but yeah the day after 9 11 they stopped showing terroristy stuff on the tv but i remember video stores selling out of things like die hard with a vengeance and things because people wanted to see terrorists being taken down by the man the man a man <laughs> any man but whatever bruce man... willis's character is called in oh, die hard <laughs> i don't i can imagine now bruce willis doesn't even care what character he's called in his current films i imagine all the strips just have bruce as his character so he knows which yeah. character who am is playing I, who am i playing again if he if he has a script if bruce willis has offered a script and there's another character called bruce you know he would be learning his lines that guy's lines if he even learns lines i doubt he does <laughs> i mean we've i can't remember if we've mentioned this in the podcast before i think we've talked about it how he'd been cgi'd into a japanese no a russian advert we mentioned that before didn't we Quite possibly. I think but, I only uh, ever think about Bruce Willis on this podcast, actually. <laughs> I got you for your birthday a a copy of his oh. single, Secret Agent Man, parentheses, James Bond is back. I've not listened to that yet. I'm so sorry. There's a man who leads a life of danger To everyone he meets, he stays a stranger One more chance it takes Odds are he won't live to see tomorrow hmm. Secret you got, So I got it in April And it's only because The way my living room's set up is It's a little bit difficult to get to my record player So I've not played any records right now <laughs> I was just trying to get it back to the James Bond thing I know, little fact of, of Harry's home life <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah james bond bond james bond what a what a guy <laughs> um i mean I, I guess yeah like you are the big bond fan obviously i've uh you know having grown up together and stuff like that we watched a lot of bond films together and i still consider myself i still consider myself someone who likes the bond films and uh you know perfectly happy to put on a bond film of of any era and get you know a different thing out of it and that's the benefit of having a series which has been going on for over 50 years is that there is a bond for every mood for every flavor as long as you like a kind of potentially problematic man <laughs> running around being rude to uh, people of different um nationalities and maybe uh cruel yeah women <laughs> yeah there's there's two types of bond fans i've encountered in my experience i mean here's the thing i, I if if we were just talking about james bond in general and not the games i could do like a four hour single conversation about james bond and i'm a fan who enjoys bond as a sort of pop culture icon and i actually find it extremely fascinating how he he was absolutely created by a Ian Fleming, a man who was about to get married, and it was a proper wish fulfillment. And it's also like post empire, sort of post colonial um, fantasy figure. He's he's absolutely wish fulfillment for the British Empire. 
and like transporting him to 2021 yeah they say well we want to be true to the books but he's an awful man in the books and but he's also selling like i've said like he sells coke zero and omega watches and heineken beer <laughs> and it's like the, the it's, i think it was telling i think it was a newspaper article a poll was done over what fictional characters would vote for brexit and yeah, everyone who said Remainers said Bond would vote for Remain and Leavers would say Bond would vote Leave because he's, um, you know, a metropolitan sort of man who loves travel and stuff. It's just <laughs> to cut a long story short, I think he's just an endlessly fascinating character. And in the books, I think you can get away with someone being a state sanctioned assassin and and being a sexist, misogynist, rapist, um, like in the... Uh, papers recently i think there's been a bit of a argument over the film goldfinger which is of course an iconic bond film but in in massive capital letters it was a different time he does force himself onto on a back on a black man who's uh sort of identified pretty much as a as a lesbian and he turns her and it's just it's it's like people say the most uncomfortable scene in goldfinger is the laser up the genital sequence but for me it's that scene um, it was in the... so uh provocative that kevin smith made a whole movie about it <laughs> <laughs> um so anyway like you can have i think a more problematic character be the hero in the book because it's sort of a fascinating i'm going to try and use the word is it dichotomy between someone who's the best man to the job for the job but he's also a horrible person but if if you're starting to create this aspirational figure in this billion dollar franchise you kind of need you kind of can't do that and right and i just find that fascinating and there's like a whole wealth of different opinions of how like bond should be this shouldn't be that and like loads of long-standing franchises it's also depends on your entry point doesn't it so yeah and i think you as i said like with a bond for every flavor it's as much about you know the period in which the film is made and the source material it's taking its inspiration from whether that's an Ian Fleming book or whether it's an original story um and also what the actor brings to the role um because obviously there's always this battle of the bonds and who's the best bond etc and there's somewhere is like a kind of amalgamation of all of them is the perfect bond in in some respects some sort of horrible frankenstein figure frankenstein's monster figure to be more precise um the creature pay attention 007 i've raided the morgue <laughs> and i've created a man q q he smells awful i know we're gonna put him undercover <laughs> yep i'm gonna write off that fan fiction i think q's sideline in, in um creating playing god <laughs> um yeah, so I, I I think that's the why the franchise has had that kind of longevity as much as anything, because, you know, you can, like I said, stick on a, a Bond film and get a different flavour. And the, I guess the sort of core of the Bond appeal um, is the kind of maybe sort of tired idea. It's a cliche, but like, you know, women want to be with him and men want to be him sort of uh 
concept. It's it's as you say, complete sort of wish fulfillment, and in the sort of early movies and and things, it's very much like a globe trotting kind of um, you know look at all these beautiful countries that are too expensive for you to visit. Now anyone can pretty much go anywhere, pandemics permitting. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's always going to be interesting, kind of like how the bond of the era reflects the culture society where the world is at and also i think particularly with uh, as you see with the movies like how they react to whatever's successful like you know you get your star wars you get your moonraker you get your batman begins you get your casino royale you get your born movies you get your quantum of solace um it's very interesting that the sort of Daniel Craig era has like spanned since 2005, since like pre the pre Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think I think you might have heard a sigh there. We've had three phases of superheroes, uh, and we've had Daniel Craig like you know still in this kind of like gritty era. Like I think it's sort of like outlived meta humor, and mm-hmm. I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting what comes next. I'm sure. Um, I th- the problem, I mean, again, I could, I just, I'm just trying to get my thoughts in a row and stuff like that. Um, first of all, yeah, I think a reason why Bond has also lasted and why he's so popular is, like many heroes, it's about um, being able to just solve problems simply. <laughs> Bond says, I'm a problem eliminator. But, you know, everyone like, I guess part of the reason why we like video games is that we can solve problems ourselves. You just can punch a problem away and things like that. Mm. Uh, he's always right. And um, I think some of the less popular Bonds, uh, like I'm thinking of Quantum of Solace specifically. And FYI, every single Bond film has its defenders. So, you know, I'm feel like i'm tre- treading on eggshells the entire time but but fuck it I'm, i know what i like <laughs> i don't like quantum <laughs> solace that much and part of the problem is that it seems very wishy-washy what bond is trying to achieve and and what the problem is um but yes by and large people like bond because he he he's always right he's the, he is the hero um but talking about how when the Bond films are now and the length of time Daniel Craig has taken, like Skyfall is the most successful Bond film ever. It crossed the billion dollar mark, but the Bond films are now sort of like meant to, I mean, they've always been sort of glamorous and event movies, but I think they've become ever so slightly too glamorous. I mean, I guess what I'm trying to get at, on my bookshelves, I've got the entire Ian Fleming novel set, but they're in these sort of pulp paperback covers. Um, And then when you see these Bond books get released in like high classy luxury editions, I feel that's a bit wrong because they are kind of like cheap and shit films and books and (laughs) things like that. So they were churning out Bond film year after year in the Roger Moore era. And I just think, I think there's a part of me which thinks if you're taking six years to make a Bond film, you're you're being a bit too precious. But we'll yeah. see. No Time to Die I might guess... be the best film ever. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. But yeah, I can see how there's, you know, there is fun in the sort of like pulpy trash of some of the Roger Moore exploits. And even like the Pierce Brosnan ones as well. Like they get whack-a-doodle 
fairly quickly. Um, I did actually rewatch Skyfall, I think, last week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit long. It's a bit boring. <laughs> I, I, I like it very much. Um, but I sort of felt a little bit like, uh, you know, it's, it's a long movie and I'm, I'm sure there's like, you know, Roger Moore films as long as that, but there's like a lightness that keeps them frothy. Actually, no, that's not true. Octopussy and <laughs> A View to a Kill are a real chore to get through. What am I well, talking again, about? Like, people are like saying View to a Kill is my favourite Bond film. I, again, think it's pretty in the middle for me, but... I mean, for me, whenever I criticize a Bond film, there's always like a thousand films I'd rather watch um, than. No, what am I saying? Whenever I'm criticizing a Bond film, I'll still prefer watching that to many, many other films. Yeah. But um, Skyfall is like so much like the Goldfinger of Craig's era because it's not only really the third film of each respective actor's tenure, but they sort of fall apart if you think about them too much <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> it's a whole slate of films i think in the early two, th- well it's 2012 in that time like uh the dark knight is an obvious example where they seem genius and then you sort of think about the villains plots and you're like this well just a villain being mad counts for a lot <laughs> because <laughs> because like it's it doesn't make any sense at yeah. all. But it's, it's visually resplendent. And I last saw Skyfall. I just happened to be walking through the middle of London and they were showing it on the big screen um, in Trafalgar Square. And that was quite a lovely experience to, to A, happen upon a Bond film when they had time to kill. But B, it's sort of just no underlined. No time to kill. No time to kill indeed. But um, yeah, it was fun watching the audience again and just seeing how a lot of Daniel Craig's jokes don't really land very well in that film. <laughs> <laughs> but I do I do wonder, like, is is No Time to Die like the first Bond film where we know in advance that it will be their last? Yes, and that's what's made me really excited because um Bond actors might have given up halfway through a film. Famously <laughs> <laughs> um when filming um his fifth film uh you only live twice sean connery was it was like beetle mania but in japan it was bond mania and he i think the straw which broke the camel's back was when was when sean connery was trying to take a shit and camera a cameraman went poked his head over the toilet cubicle and tried to take a photo and (laughs) i i think that would i mean sean connery is famous is a very grumpy man um with a, a naturally a problematic view on women i think he since um has i think in the later interview he was like i regret what i said but for like for many many years his opinion was you should be able to hit women if you've tried everything which was like oh i don't know (laughs) yeah i don't know don't know i I basically i I was not tweeting about how much i missed him when he passed away but you know i wouldn't be here without him so again let i I find just the whole idea of like Bond being a problematic character, but also like Britain's version of Mickey Mouse, eternally interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's him and Mr. Bean. Those, yeah. those two paragons. Um, Who teamed up in the London Olympics opening ceremony, sort yeah. of. Again. They were both I present just, at the time. It's canon. I always just 
find it fascinating how Bond is parachuting into the Olympic Stadium um, and all these countries he's invaded and, and killed people illegally are like <laughs> are present. I mean, to be and then honest, Bond he... points at Rowan Atkinson. And he's like, Johnny English, what are you doing here? <laughs> oh, bless. Parker Brothers brings the hottest video games home. It's James Bond in a deadly game of four land and sea battles based on the thrilling Bond movie classics. Survive and you become the master spy, 007. And Gyrus, hot from the arcade. Nothing moves like Gyrus. It's galactic warfare as you're attacked by enemy ships, meteors and satellites in a relentless search for Earth. Gyrus and James Bond 007 for these video and home computer systems. Uh, so we've been talking about James Bond, the um, cinematic character, and we've touched upon him in the novels. Um, but one thing which I think unifies all the James Bond video games, almost all of them, I should say, the James Bond video games, are of a sort of very action heavy. And I guess you think it's just funny because James Bond is classed as a spy, but I think one thing we all know he is the world's worst spy <laughs> and you know if you're parachuting into the olympic opening ceremony i think you pretty much with the queen i think you need to just <laughs> hand in your international man of mystery cards to be honest um and you know depending on which bond character is playing him you can play that for last it's just one of these things you don't think about how a secret agent is using his actual name <laughs> <laughs> like all the time um but anyway the games like i mean i wrote this down when thinking about the james bond games because we're usually talking about video game movies and i think often we are talking about how something this is we're talking about how something is good for a video game movie and like oh this is pretty good for a video game movie I think, you know, we've probably covered about five films which are good films in of themselves. <laughs> and with the Bond games, like the vast majority are they're pretty good for a James Bond game. And don't want to show my hand, but like perhaps the most favourite James Bond game of all time is all right for a James Bond game. But we'll get to that. But I think uh, the idea is, again, with the... You know, people want to be Bond and Bond is the wish fulfillment fantasy. I think when you transport them into the video game realm, you know, it lends itself to action because people play those kind of video games as, again, a sort of wish fulfillment thing or to, like, let off some steam and, you know, yeah. let off explosions and shoot a bunch of Russians. It's, yeah, I mean, every day I'm thinking about shooting Russians. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's I mean, just looking about what we know about Bond, we I mean the the cliche um identifiers or iconography, I should say, of Bond. It's like fast cars, gadgets, guns, girls, shooting, all that jazz. He's got a license to kill and like which means every other video game character doesn't have that license or are breaking the law. <laughs> <laughs> um but I guess being shooting and driving are like the two easiest things to translate into video game form. And I've been going through like all the games I've played and some of the games I haven't. And I think anytime, I mean, there was this period um, for a few EA games where James Bond 
you can get extra points by doing like 007 moments and things like that. And mm. there's a bit um, where James Bond enters a room with a lady wanting a massage and you press a button to massage her. And there's just something a little bit weird about the control being taken out of your hands to watch a badly rendered Pierce Brosnan massage and sort of an oblong of a lady. <laughs> Um, I've got a clip Cracking of that. Cracking oblongs. I know. <laughs> well, yeah, I like to get my hand on those oblongs. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's very it's very kind of a weird vibe to translate. And you know, going back to what I was saying about how these are all kind of average games. Yeah, you you can look at these releases. The first one being in 80, 1982 and the most recent James Bond game on consoles is. 2012 there's been some awful mobile games as well that by and large they are kind of rushed into production and so they all look a bit shitty (laughs) and they do sort of um are influenced by popular games at the time like call of duty and like i think there's a few third person action adventure games of over the shoulder shooter games like resident evil 4 and the like um but they're always kind of less good versions of the games they're ripping off but with a, like a james bond sheen and i i kind of hesitated to use the word sheen because it feels <laughs> more like you know a james bond mold on all of them i um, see what you mean I, I i think it's it's the case where like going into making a bond film everyone is very aware that oh we need to make this has to be a bond film like this feels different to anything else apart from maybe it's a genre Mission Impossible recently. I mean, it um, pretty much invented the spy-fi genre. I know there yeah. will be things before that, but yeah, you've, Bond is a genre, and other films exist in that sort of genre. And whereas when it comes to the games, they're like, well, we've got this Bond film. How do we transport Bond onto a template that already exists as a video game, rather than you know trying to build something Bond-like from the ground up, which, you know, it's, it's sort of natural from, you know, licensed games. I mean, you know, you have to go maybe into, like, you know, the indie developers if you wanted something original, like how they've done the John Wick Hex game, for instance. You would think John Wick is just running around shooting people in the face a lot. Um, but this is like a kind of tactical shooting game and using the sort of you having to anticipate the moves of the enemies you're again trying to shoot in the face, but you know, with a bit more brains about it, I suppose. So, you know, I I think like Bond can lend itself to all all these, you know, interesting gameplay elements if people put more thought into that. Um, But yes, I think particularly in the sort of early Bond video game era where it was a lot of side-scrolling platformy shooter things or driving a boat or a car and 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 that kind of stuff and avoiding enemies and you know obviously like restrictions of gameplay and stuff at the time and then i think particularly in the sort of pierce brosnan sort of late 90s early 2000s era of games you do have a lot of these titles where it is fairly generic first person or third person shooter stuff which has like yeah bond dressing and and music and all that kind of stuff but don't really sort of stand up amongst 
uh, original titles of that era or ones which aren't inspired by uh, an existing franchise. So, yeah, it's 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 a bit of a patchy history of of Bond games as a result. Before we go full bore into the video games, um, video games themselves have shown up in Bond or... Well, I mean, it can't be denied that the very first Bond novel is about a game. Um, it's about the card game Baccarat in the book, and that gets turned into Texas Hold'em Poker in the film, um, even though everyone's still dressed for Baccarat. Because, <laughs> like, you know, I remember reading, I think, in Empire magazine, they got someone, like a real card expert, to have a look at the Casino Royale game and see if it made sense. And he said, well, it does make sense, even though Bond wins by the most impossible hand it's like a hand which can happen but it but the chances are fantastically high but he said the most unrealistic version is that people aren't dressed in like 10 gallon cowboy hats and t-shirts and looking <laughs> just looking like prof- the actual professional car players he sees in this day and age but um yeah gaming is intrinsic to a lot of bond's novels and films i mean it's probably goes without saying that the only reason there's a lengthy card game in the film Casino Royale is because it's in the book and like they kind of had to have it. Um, but because it functions as part of the as part of the plot, whereas usually it's just a bit of scene setting or dressing to get sort of bond maybe an in with whoever runs the casino sort of thing or just, yeah. you know, him hanging out, chilling, doing his favorite I mean, it, it always tickles me how like bonds will invariably meet the super villain and the super villain will try and like kill him during the game and then it doesn't happen and both bond and the villain go like shrug their shoulders and then we'll see you next time <laughs> 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 um but you know it goes like um the book gold finger um has like a whole chapter or maybe even more dedicated to like playing golf with gold finger and then um in like nowadays it would be we golf it might <laughs> well what like bowling maybe you know <laughs> challenge you to a game of we bowling mr bond with my golden <laughs> remote control i got with uh skyward swords mr bond um it's like with doctor who i suppose where there's certain bits of iconography it's like a dialect you feel like you use stuff too much or not enough to... and so when a Bond film comes along, you're like, is Felix Slater going to be in this version? And with these continuation novels, they like are going through the list of games Bond hasn't played. And in, I think, Devil May Care, I can't remember who wrote it. I think it was Jeffrey. No, Jeffrey Diva did another one. Um, who wrote Birdsong? Do you remember that author? Uh, Sebastian Fawkes? Yes, I think, I think he wrote... Uh, we're getting Bond wrong now. But he wrote... Uh, a continuation novel called Devil May Care where Bond and the villain play tennis and and Bond later discovers or halfway through the match he discovers that um some sort the of ball machi- is a bomb. Almost. <laughs> no, there's a mach- there's machinery which makes the net a bit lower for the villain when he's playing and a bit higher for Bond when Bond is playing by like a little amount. And I cannot describe to you how boring this whole fucking section is. <laughs> and I read, I, I got an audio book form, and this is like the twelve CD. Like this wasn't audible, and so I've got a whole CD of 
Bond and this guy playing tennis, and Bond's like, something's not right here, I keep losing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless. Um, but yeah, um, even though Bond likes his, his games, um, I don't think there's been a more incongruous scene in any Bond media than Never Say Never Again, which, for those who don't know, is an unofficial Bond film. And you could do a whole other podcast about the legalities regarding the licensing of James Bond. I would recommend instead reading um, the book uh, The Battle for Bond by Robert Sellers, where it talks about how Ian Fleming ripped off a James Bond film script to write Thunderball just because he thought he could. And then that caused all sorts of problems and Bond came to the big screen. But the end result was there was a remake of Thunderball made in 1983 called Never Say Never Again, which brought back Sean Connery, which is always a good idea. <laughs> As you'll learn in one of the video games we're going to talk about later. So it's effectively a remake, but in place of card games, there's this really weird bit where he plays a game called Domination. And it's just embarrassing. It's really. You sent me the clip because I don't think I've seen Never Say Never Again from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, ba- it's basically taking place in like the villain's casino or, or something. And um, rather than play a traditional card game like in all the other Bond materials, um, they sit down and play a game that this villain has he himself designed and created and then fails to explain the rules of until mm-hmm. Bond loses and then it's like, oh, I didn't explain. Oh, I didn't explain. So yeah. After getting like electric shock. Oh, I, I like, didn't mention that. It just reminds me going around to someone's house when you're kids and they like you pl- you play a board game with them and then like they keep on winning and it's just like oh no you know because this is what the rules are and they just keep changing the rules as you're playing um this domination game it must it it kind of looks like war games but it's also maybe the most ornate arcade game i've ever seen this game has one objective power We will be fighting for countries chosen at random by the machine. But for this demonstration, I will choose France. Target areas will light up on the map. Whoever hits them first with his laser beam will score a point. But there's another way to win. With your left hand, you control two nuclear missiles. With your right hand, you control a shield to block my missiles. But if you fail, boom, I win the game. You will be red. I will be blue. Are you ready? Yes. Begin. Thank you, gentlemen. The eternal battle for the domination of the world begins. We play for dollars. Random target selection, Spain. Value $9,000. $9,000. Give me a shock. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. Unlike armchair generals, we will share the pain of our soldiers in form of electric shocks. One last point. If you let go the controls, you forfeit the game. As you were unaware of this, 
we will begin again. It's just the very idea that a, a casino crowd gathers around to watch these two gentlemen play domination. And, you know, obviously the actors can't see what's there. And so you've got Connery in a wig going like red and sweaty while he's like rubbing his hands over these joysticks. I didn't mean that to sound so sexual. Um, Kim Basing is there just looking back and forth. Um I will go on to say I've been avoiding Never Say Never Again for years. I must have watched it as a kid. Rowan Atkinson's in there again. <laughs> um, so I think I watched it when I was a kid, but I finally bit the bullet and watched the whole thing this year. It's not very good, but also I think I've got to an age where I appreciate... I mean, I'm doing this podcast about video game movies, so you can tell I appreciate the charm in trying even if you don't have the skills. <laughs> um, I mean, that film's directed by Irvin Kirshner as well, director of Empire Strikes Back and uh, Robocop 2. So he's a dab hand at the, at the movie sequel, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Um, despite saying all that about I kind of appreciate Never Say Never Again, it's uh, just really fucking odd. And you just, you just think, no, Bond, Bond does not play video games. Not even on his phone. He just doesn't play video games. Well, yeah, I, I think the closest approximation to it elsewhere in the Bond verse in terms of Bond playing video games is uh, Pierce Brosnan. And that not the, the uh, gif of him playing Mario Kart <laughs> in uh, Tom <laughs> Tomorrow Never Dies. Someone's like swapped out his mobile phone controlling the car I've not to uh, look like Mario Kart. Uh, I, I see it fairly regularly in the uh, Mario well, Kart I must have seen it. I've probably just seen so many GIFs yeah. and Bond things. But I guess the sort of closest to it is in Die Another Day, where he does the VR simulation where MI6 is under attack and he kind of like shoots all the baddies and it turns out it's all just uh, a testing simulation mm. and he's wearing like special glasses not a million miles away from when we went to the trocadero and rode the license to thrill yeah vr experience um yeah a couple of interesting things about that so sorry do you want to finish that sentence i don't know you know go ahead well first of all um like I said, like Die Another Day is is regularly viewed as the worst Bond film ever. And I'm like thinking, well, do you remember when Moonraker was like everyone's least favorite? How how things change. And I'll suspect <laughs> well, but um anyway, that that is where the Bond era went its craziest, short of actually going to space. And um I listened to the DVD commentary of that scene and that sequence we're talking about where Bond, where there's a VR mission of people attacking the MI6 headquarters is pretty much lifted from the world is not enough video game. Cause in the film, the world is not enough. A bomb goes off in MI6 and that's it. But in the game, you're going around the MSX offices, shooting people as they crash through windows and, and, and all that jazz. And so in a weird way, Die Another Day contains within it a remake of the video game, The World Is Not Enough. And <laughs> um, the director, uh, Lee Tamahori, he goes on to say that he asked Bond to act like his video game character. So if you watch that scene closely, he's got no emotion in his face 
and he's holding his hand his arms and gun up in a very sort of fixed video game character way Mm. so that's kind of neat that's all well and good but does that explain when at the end of the film money penny enters the vr simulation herself so she can make out with james bond I don't remember him looking stiff and video game like during that. <laughs> well, I just think you need to remember that that program was programmed by John Cleese's Q. So why has he <laughs> got that on his system? Um, I don't know. I again, I think that scene is hated by a lot of people, but uh, it kind of it, it was a 40th anniversary of Bond film, so it can it has a a slight pass on that front. Mm. But that film does include uh, the only time we see Bond climax on the screen. And yeah, 40th ev- anniversary. Every single time I feel like I've walked into my dad doing the nasty. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, away. Uh, you mentioned this v- this ride called James Bond License to Thrill. And I was doing some reading about the film Goldfinger uh, just today, actually, because I'm just always reading about James Bond. And one of the people who did script polishes and writing was a chap called um, Bruce Fierstein. There's lots of writers in the film Golden Eye, but he wrote, for example, the scene where M calls Bond a sexist, misogynist dinosaur, like the big M Bond scene in that film. Uh, but then he went on to write the script for this license to thrill and he also did co-writing on a few of the pierce Brosnan james bond games he worked on uh, everything or nothing and uh he also wrote uh, the james bond russia with love video game and he also worked on the golden eye reloaded uh bond game but the one yeah the one with daniel craig in it so yeah there's a surprising amount of synergy between the films Mm. and the games during that era yes Uh, but yeah just learning facts every day (laughs) but having done the pre-title sequence of the conversation shall we now uh have you got a song and dance number ready for me (laughs) Games uh, on film, <laughs> games on film, trying to rhyme something with film. <laughs> uh, what rose of film? Uh, kiln. Like kiln. what you would fire some ceramics in. <laughs> okay. Um, fantastic ceramics in my kiln. <laughs> oh, it's hard to bet it looks to write a Bond song. I just, um, you know, when, I, when 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 Sam Smith said he wrote uh, the writings on the wall in like the space of five minutes, everyone's like, "Yeah, you don't have another run at that, mate." <laughs> it's like, um, I just just a Bond song sidebar because there's a mix of games in terms of the history of, of Bond video games. There is a mix of games which are based directly on the films, and there are games which are inspired by the films in you know kind of non-sequential fashion and there are games which um are original stories and uh some of them particularly when it gets to the sort of brosnan era and you can finally have like uh cd rom 
is that what games were on at the time? <laughs> I don't know. But you can finally have like CD music and FMV and all this kind of stuff. But um, you do get like a bunch of Bond songs for the mm. sort of uh, from games then on. And I think sort of of particular note, uh, there is the Everything or Nothing song um, for that video game with the big flashy title sequence, which sounds like Die Another Day by Madonna, but like maybe worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Quantum of Solace video game that doesn't use uh, Another Way to Die, the unfairly maligned Alicia Keys-Jack White combo. I think that's a fantastic song. Uh, it's kind of like a mix between that and the um, You Know My Name from Crystal Nell from Casino Royale, um, but not as good as either of those. Um, I think a couple of other notable ones is Bloodstone, which is sung by Joss Stone, who also <laughs> stars in the game as, I guess, the Bond girl, which is very, I think it's probably the closest to an actual Bond theme song, but it is pretty generic and she kind of just warbles through it and it's not particularly good performance. And the GoldenEye remake has the original GoldenEye song written by Bono and The Edge from U2, originally performed by Tina Turner, but this time... Uh, by Nicole Scherzinger, the uh, former Pussycat Doll. Um, yeah, I thought that version was pretty decent, actually. And I think it's uh, David Arnold doing the score, or at least yes. the themes, I think. And yeah, I think, I think for 007, music. and I think for 007 Legends, uh, which is up to this point the last Bond game uh, so far he also did the themes for that and the opening titles it's like a redo of the goldfinger uh music mm. i mean it's a funny it's a tricky beast the old bond songs i mean again i've owned i've owned several copies of the best of bond and <laughs> well, they people making new bond songs they do they do the thing is like the games we're talking about like most of them are good for bond songs but like not really good songs <laughs> Oh my god. I really like I, I, really I really hope like... I really hope none of my Bond peeps hear me say that. <laughs> Again, I, I love really listening like... to these songs. Yeah. I have to say, like you mentioned Sam Smith, but I really liked the Radiohead Spectre song. I completely understand why it wasn't used, but I think out of the sort of unused Bond songs, that's a favourite. I don't know. I, I I actually love Radiohead. And when I heard the Radiohead song, I'm like you you can't just go spectre because <laughs> that's, that's I mean, what Radiohead is. The funny thing is, it's okay, it's just so interesting because I actually think Sam Smith's lyrics for that song, uh, "Spectre," are brilliant. Um, no, "Writings of the Wall" is brilliant. Um, but his it's his falsetto I can't stand, and I've heard that sung by other artists. It's a lot better. Um, but maybe Nicole Scherzinger can do that for when they make a spectre video game in 10 years time again it's like the, the problem is a lot of artists now the last three bond songs have which includes no time to die all kind of sound like laments or something um it's gotta win that oscar baby i know and that's another thing like skyfall being a billion dollar bond now all the bond songs have to be done like the most popular artist and chase the oscar um but you know 
I was really hoping like Shirley Bassey would return for doing one, but she actually did record a song for David Arnold for, I think, Quantum of Solace. And I've listened to it and it just sounds like a James Bond parody song. I mean, I'm a massive fan of uh, Cats and Dogs' Revenge of Kitty Galore. And that's got a that's that's got a Bond song title sequence, and a Bond, sorry, a Bond title sequence and a Bond song, and the Bond song and that is great. <laughs> did I did I read that Roger Moore voices a cat and that called Tab Lazenby? Wouldn't surprise me. I know he's in that. I mean, good old Roger Moore. He shows up in Spice World the movie, stroking a cat and like mixing all his references he shows up in a, a cannonball run film driving an aston Martin, which he never drove so but you know roger moore would do anything for anyone apart from paying his taxes while he went that's why he moved to like you know he went to a tax exempt status somewhere in the world like you know bunch of criminals and misogynists everyone connected if you like james bond there's something seriously wrong with you um Anyway, <laughs> looking for a little peace and quiet? Didn't think so. You have a nasty habit of surviving. Brace yourself. Martini, lemon peel, shaken. 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 But not stirred. Oh, that's a, a stirred, not shaken. That was right. She's just coming, sir. I think he's attempting re-entry, sir. Good evening, Mr. Bond. Bonjour, Mr. Bond. Goodbye, Mr. Bond. This is the part I really like. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Bond. James Bond. Bond. James Bond. Bond. James Bond. The original action adventure hero, James Bond. Should we go through this James Bond game list? And as we mentioned earlier, I think the first game we played, to my knowledge, is GoldenEye on the N64. Um, but... Yes, the sort of earlier, yes, the earlier titles, um, because of the timing, very much the more to Dalton era, um, and I think the sort of last game before uh, Goldeneye was James Bond 007: The Duel, which marks Dalton's final Bond outing because he appears on the kind of menu screen. <laughs> I'm not sure how <laughs> accurate his face is in the game, but it's it's funny because like. 
with um, Timothy Dalton and with in the duel and with Pierce Brosnan in Everything or Nothing, um, the sort of last outings for both of those Bond actors is like the video game. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's sort of like I love game fa- games, obviously, but it really depresses me at the same time. <laughs> like I, I, I'm going to show play a clip of Everything or Nothing, which includes the aforementioned massage, but Pierce Brosnan's delivery about enjoying some southern hospitality he sounds like he's so actually bored reading the script like I have it to sounds say. like he maybe it sounds like he's just like received notification that his contract will soon be terminated it's really depressing let's see about that southern hospitality the full treatment today. Give me everything. Oh my, we've learned a few new tricks, haven't we? Could you be a dear and get me a drink, please? Hurry back. Things look tense lately. Bond, Agent Starling is starting her last song. You must get to her before it's too late. But it's it's so strange, like the jump from 1993, this like side scrolling Sega Mega Drive game, and then only like four years later, you have we got Goldeneye. the ti- 1995's Tiger Electronics LCD Goldeneye game. <laughs> That's not the jump I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but dear. yeah, you, you have like this full 3D first person. What on the Tiger shooter. Electronic? <laughs> No. <laughs> on the Nintendo yeah. 64, the fastest, most powerful games console on Earth. Oh, yes, of course. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, speaking of the N64 a moment, and maybe I'm, I'm oversharing a little bit, I think part of what supercharged my Bond fandom was something revolving around the N64, because I remember you uh, getting an N64, uh, but you were going to buy it, but I think our parents said if you did really well in your exams, they would they would pay off the rest of it, or 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 you'd just you'd get it to, to own it. And I remember when you did really well in the exams, I was extremely upset because <laughs> a because I'm a horrific person, but b I think I was just going through a time where I was I was having like elder brother syndrome and there's like my little brother was getting all the praise and always doing so well and so to make me feel a little bit better um our mum gave us gave me uh like a book called kiss kiss bang bang the unofficial james bond companion and i think for the first time i could read about bond films i've never seen i could it was about how these films were made it was like 17 or, or 16 making ofs and it just I think I point to that as being the moment where I went from somebody who liked Bond films to someone who loved Bond films, and so yeah, the answer is blaming me for your like obsession. Now. If you if, if you didn't do so well in your exams, Rory, I wouldn't like James Bond so much. So I've kind of got you to thank. Oh dear, thank. But, yeah, but you know, it goes without saying. The big reason, I mean, again, I think Goldeneye 007 helped. I mean, I loved Goldeneye in the cinema a lot. Um, that was the first Bond film I saw in the cinema. And then what seems really bizarre now, a couple of years later, 
they released the video game. Like nowadays, like every video Bond game since has been sort of like in upon release of the film. Yeah, and some games have been like cancelled midway through because they're not going to make it out in time for the release of of the film. When you know, back in I guess the luxurious days of the of the mid nineties, it was a bit like, oh well, it's okay because we'll just time it to release around the time of the next Bond film. Now, I guess. I mean, interestingly, Tomorrow Never Dies on the PlayStation was originally going to be a continuation of the film story and i've no idea how you'd continue the film when the bond villain is dead and like his entire organization is dead i just don't know <laughs> does the film end with um it ends with bond and michelle yo in like a dinghy in the sea yeah it's a dinghy simulator <laughs> do you think they get do you think they get like rescued by like aquaman or something i don't know we're just, like, we're just, we're just journey to atlantis <laughs> Well, again, I've often joked I would love the last Craig film because the Bond films get sillier and sillier as they go on. Like you start with a serious Bond film at the start, more or less, and then by the end, you're in space. And I always imagined James Bond versus the moon zombies being Craig's <laughs> last film. <laughs> we'll see if that happens in no time to die. But going back to Goldeneye on the N64. Goldeneye 007 it shines above the rest of the Bond games. Wearing its golden crown. Wearing its golden crown. Because it's just it's it it has it just has this kind of legacy and justifiably has been one of the best video games ever made. And it's kind of fascinating that, you know, beyond games based on films or or anything, that this one title, and I think because it in a way was worked on from the ground up could create something which was very specifically uh, Bond, while also being very specifically a very good game at the same time. Like, I think it really does capture um, the feel and style of James Bond beyond the kind of like trappings of, you know, the music and uh, the sort of mission briefings you have with these little notes from M and Q and Money Penny and stuff like all that stuff's really lovely. But it's it's I think it just like it I I, th- I think like a lot of stuff is talked about the multiplayer like justifiably so for the replay value, but I don't think like the single player stuff gets enough credit in terms yeah. of like retrospectively. Like obviously at the time everyone thought it was great, apart from Empire Magazine which gave it two stars because they said it was just a Doom clone. Because remember when people didn't know that first person shooter was a thing everything was a doom clone but also because bond could die and therefore it wasn't <laughs> accurate to a james bond uh, i know game. it was like some some witty bond mot from some writer has stuck in your brain all this time <laughs> like this guy doesn't um, understand how games work <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah i think it you know like i don't know how much you could say it's like lightning in a bottle or or that sort of thing because uh, but I think there was like free. I think the thing is, is that like rare the developers were given freedom to create something, which um, probably because of the success of GoldenEye, and there weren't really the expectations that people had from this, particularly two years after the film's release. You know, they had this freedom, which probably isn't possible anymore in terms of like licensing, and that's why you more often get like very safe 
average video games, um, or at least Bond titles in its wake. I do think it's a shame that they didn't go with the original intention, which was a 2D platformer like Rare's Donkey Kong Country, because then you could have had <laughs> Bond like, throwing barrels at people and riding rhinoceroses. And that's something I'd like to <laughs> see. To collect, collect the letters B, O, N, and D on the I levels. Know. And then he's got another little boy following him in a in a baseball cap and just wearing James a vest. James Bond Jr. <laughs> just a side note. So James Bond Jr. was an animated James Bond TV show, which also got a game for itself in the NES. And interestingly, you play, well, James Bond Jr. is Bond's nephew. And I'm trying to think, why would you call your nephew Jr. after... Does, does that ever happen? You call know. You call somebody Jr. if they're your son. You wouldn't call Maybe. someone James Bond Jr. I don't Jr. know how it works. Maybe James Bond the second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, but if it was a game then it would just look like james bond 2 so uh, i mentioned earlier how the most popular james bond game is probably not the best james bond game and i i meant this so that see see surprise <laughs> no so no, it doesn't here's the thing it is like one of the best games ever made and it really frustrates me when people go back and have a look at this game and they say oh it's aged really badly because i think a lot of games journalists or maybe just not even journalists actually just people online who if a first person shooter isn't playing at 60 frames fps or whatever they think it's a piece of shit and the n64 will sometimes play a game at maybe five frames a second or something <laughs> like if, if you set off if there's all these russian soldiers sh all these russian soldiers shooting at you and you set off a grenade launcher and various trip mines uh you're you're gonna be watching a slideshow for a bit <laughs> um but so i still think it plays really great and i still knock it on every you know year or so and have a grand old time playing it my my issue it's not an issue it's just an observation that like all the games beforehand pretty much all the games afterwards are action games depicting james bond as a mass murderer and you know it's just i just want a bond game where you're just a spy <laughs> and not not have like 10 hundred people dead at the end um just around about this time, like a couple of years later, we got the Game Boy game James Bond 007, which is actually a top-down RPG. And I played that to completion, and I have really fond memories of it. I watched some of it on YouTube uh, just the other day, and that doesn't seem to have aged well at all, because mm. you would meet somebody outside their house and say, I am looking for my hammer. I can't fix this bridge without my hammer. You go into the house, you look under their bed, you find a hammer, you give it to them. That's as sort of complicated as things get. Well, um, I mean, it's it's just speaking close to the character and the, the <laughs> films and the novels. Frequently, James Bond is asked to fetch tools for handymen. Yeah. James, um, do you still sleep with a hammer under your pillow? <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah, just in case a bridge needs fits in and I need to yeah. cross it. But I mean, the very fact that you're speaking to like non-playable characters feels a little bit more spy-y. But also, crucially, the thing which always stuck out in my mind for that Game Boy game is you play cards. There are points in the game. You have to win card games to proceed. And when I learnt that the Quantum of Solace game 
which also is largely based on Casino Royale, completely relegates the card playing to cutscenes. I think my eyes started to bleed with rage. <laughs> I just could not. And I understood because that's, a, again, like a Call of Duty kind of clone. But it's just, I just really, really angered me. One of the funnest moments I've had playing Red Dead Redemption has been playing poker. Like mm. you go into the game, you go into a saloon, you can sit down and play poker and you can even do it online with other players and you can sort of cheat as well as part cool. of it. I mean, it's so it's just it's just like it like it feels like a mini game. It is a mini game. It's a game within a game and it doesn't take much to do. So that was just a slight concession to the world of Bond. I really appreciated. But so in a in a nutshell, Golden Knight is the goat. Because I think it was both the Bond atmosphere, but it was also, even about the James Bond stuff, it was the first time console first-person shooters have been done right. There had been things like Wolfenstein and Doom on, on home consoles before, like there's Doom 64, which is a great Doom game. But this was the first one to take the 3D stick and really utilize it properly. And um, I just think it and was... It was just Bond was back in a big way from Goldeneye. This game came at the perfect time. Yeah. And I, I think there's just a lot of, again, why, why I said, like, I think the single player doesn't get enough credit is because I think up until that point, a lot of first person shooters had been, as you said, like sort of Doom, Wolfenstein, Quake, which although have like sometimes different routes and secrets and passages and things, they are very much get to a, from A to B kill everything you can and survive this had like mission objectives mm. and with increased difficulty you'd have extra objectives there are sort of some slight stealth elements like security cameras would alert guards to your presence um you had like your silencer or your karate chop if you were being a, a right old slapper um <laughs> uh you know, in order to sort of like avoid detection, there's the the, the levels aren't really they're kind of like non-linear in in that in that respect. You could yeah, kind of explore a, the world. I was about to dispute your claim about point A to point B in Doom because some of those maps are, are like labyrinths. But yes, I forgot it is the mission objectives, which again yes. make it both make it feel like James Bond, but also mean you can approach levels in whatever order you want a lot of the time and the fact that like the game was originally yes going to be maybe like a platformer on the super nintendo and then uh was also potentially going to be an on the rails shooter um like the inspiration was virtua cop um and they were going to just i think they sort of reworked the levels quite a bit so some of that sort of aspect sort of shows up and i think you can kind of see that a little bit with the first person view and the cursor appearing when you want to shoot is is kind of like that as well as like the damage uh mm. detection like you shoot someone in the head there's more damage than shooting in other body parts you shoot a hand they'll be like oh my hand <laughs> shoot their neck and they'll sort of clutch their neck and uh grab it as they as they yeah, bleed I th out i think this whole game is sort of fizzing with creativity because i think if i recall it was made by a team who again were quite green and so they didn't know what couldn't mm. be done and there's that sort of 
you know, there's a there's tank, there's tank sequences in this that didn't need to be, but at one point you can get into a tank and squish people. And you know, <laughs> I'm talking about it. I'm sure you're hearing in your head that squish sound effect and the scream the man does. It's just mm. and you can do that entire level if you want. Um off the tank. You don't have to use it. And yeah. Yeah, it's just and all the cheats as well, like paintball mode and DK mode with the big heads, you know. Yeah, it's just all this kind of like inbuilt replay value. the The fact that like to unlock those cheats, you kind of have to do speed runs in order to, you know, mm. uh, at certain difficulties, and you know the causing the aneurysms hardest... in ten year olds <laughs> across the land. <laughs> but like that was my, I guess, first introduction to the idea of like speed running as a mm. as a as a concept um and yeah like all the kind of glitches as well i mean i think we played that game hundreds and hundreds of hours just like doing all these like weird little glitches that people discovered and people still unlocking and finding stuff through cheat cartridges and tearing mm. apart the code mythic hidden locations as well yeah like across unlocking all the, the bonds unlocking all the original bond actors um and yeah, like I think sort of unlocking yeah, certain levels as multiplayer arenas when they're not supposed to be. Um there's just still that people are like, you know, picking at that game. I think you know, even now. And just touching on the multiplayer, of course, of course the multiplayer is you know I don't know I I've seen I'm lost for words. I want to say it's just cherry on top, but it's better than a cherry. It's like another cake on top of the cake you've got. <laughs> and um But but the I fact just... that it was but the fact that it was only added six months before release mm. and was like secretly programmed in, it wasn't even supposed to be there. But just one of the developers was like, I'm gonna add some multiplayer to this because the N64 has like four control slots, why not? And yeah, like again changed um a lot of teenagers' lives circa yeah. 1997. I mean, even, even now, if you went to a party of your contemporaries, I'm sure if like you presented this to like a kid's party, if they look at you like Elijah Wood in Back to the Future 2, say, <laughs> what is this? Um, if you were to bring Goldeneye to a party, you're like, you'd be, you'd be the party king. Mm. <laughs> That's my dream, <laughs> going to some sort of frat party, but just for people in their mid to late 30s. Um interesting talking about how we're games and film like we would make films using the multiplayer we would videotape using a camcorder would film a corner of the four player multiplayer screen and control the other player characters and recreate our versions of reservoir dogs which (laughs) i i remember thinking i'm such a genius i am the new tarantino and i'm sure if we looked at them now they'll be like so cringy you just fold in on yourself and disappear (laughs) Yeah, I think we invented Machinima. But, That's what I was um, thinking, yeah. They're copying us. But uh, luckily, before YouTube was invented, so we couldn't upload them anywhere, so no one has to suffer through my sort of uh, squeaky voice trying <laughs> to mimic Michael Madsen. Uh, my only other super fond memory of that time, the one which sticks out, was how I think you and I were playing uh, a two-player game, and um, I think you could do certain things to hide like what guns you had and things but anyway i remember i was odd job and i think you're another character and i walked up to you and i looked like i was unarmed and i had actually secretly pulled a pin on the grenade and i remember looking <laughs> yeah. i remember looking up at you 
and you looking down at me with your gun because you're about to execute me. I think it was one hit, one kills. And then you, I think you you clocked that I had a grenade and you went like, <laughs> no, no, and then I exploded. And that's happy memory of... Uh, suicide bombing? Su- suicide bombing. <laughs> Oh, it brings a, brings a smile to my face. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, but yeah, I, I think, like, the thing is that the, the GoldenEye legacy, uh, you know, GoldenEye casts a very long shadow yeah, over the rest of sort of... Nicely. <laughs> I was going to say it ruined Bond games forever. <laughs> I mean, like, the, the way it's sort of, um, you know, it, I think it's like, as a, as a game, it sort of ended... It, it it has entered the sort of the wider lexicon. I think we mentioned how in the Ready Player One movie they talk about Goldeneye and how I was furious that the main character picked Odd Job, which everyone knows is the cheat character. <laughs> um, and there was that interview a few years ago with Pierce Brosnan playing Goldeneye on Jimmy Fallon, which I think Jimmy Fallon as a torture host, he just does his like wish fulfillment he's just like bond in that respect <laughs> just like oh can we do this thing yeah. it's 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 definitely going to be appealing to the audience but actually i just want to relive a childhood you I know mean, dream of mine he's living the dream since james corden came along and there was a talk show host more annoying than him <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh finally i can just carry on doing what i was doing and people hate somebody else now <laughs> um but you know like the fact is that Goldeneye, people have been drawn to it and people have tried to remake it. There's sort of famously Goldeneye Source, which is used in the sort of, uh, I think it's like the Team Fortress or Half-Life um, uh, engine in order to recreate that. Someone recently tried to recreate Goldeneye in Far Cry 5 map maker, but then they had to remove it due to some sort of copyright Stuff. These, pe- these people are always coming up with these great games, these these mods you want to play, and then they advertise it, and they're immediately shut down. Yeah, I think there's another one meant to be coming out, Goldeneye 25 in 2022, which, again, it's just like, cease and desist one. Um, <laughs> but the uh, most, actually, notably and recently, was the actual genuine remake, which was being made by Rare for Xbox Live Arcade, which got leaked officially and pretty oh, much yeah. intact earlier this year oh. so like everyone kind of it was a rumor that this was happening and then it was like yeah definitely confirmed sort of fairly recently and then it's just like oh wow it exists and someone's leaked it and it's pretty much like 95 percent complete like mm. you can play the whole thing there's like a few graphical you know things that need sorting and a few bugs but just like it looks beautiful and you can sort of switch between like upgraded graphics and like n64 smudgy visuals whenever you like at a push of the button and i might um, go on yeah. the internet after this podcast i've forgotten <laughs> um but yeah it's just a shame that it uh all sort of fell through and i think there's a lot of issues because there's just a lot of parties yeah that's the biggest involved that's the biggest crying a shame of all this like with licensed games in general, really, but it's more acute with GoldenEye 007 because Nintendo own it, Rare own it, Rare is owned by Xbox, and then there's Eon, um, the co- the company who makes the Bond films, the official Bond films. They're called Eon, which stands for Everything or Nothing, which is where one of the games gets its name from. Um, I remember reading how Eon were like not happy with um, 
like the violence in the Bond game, GoldenEye 007, which seems kind of baffling, doesn't it? Because <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I think God, Pierce Brosnan murders more people than Bond has ever murdered in his film. He is, he is basically, he's got a kill streak going in his films. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, uh, I think it was actually Shigeru Miyamoto when he was sh- being shown GoldenEye. I think he kind of said he wanted the violence toned down and whether at the end of the game there could be like a cutscene where it shows all the different characters in hospital recovering. <laughs> but I love, the, um, I love the idea. He's like a near miss every time. Kneecaps all but, around. But that's why um, they sort of acquiesced and that's why you have at the end of the game these end credits where it shows you all the different like enemies and non-playable characters mm-hmm. so it's like oh it's okay it was just a film in quotation marks I you see. were playing i mean i recently saw predator again at a big screen spoilers not many people survived predator but spoilers mm. for that spoiler the credits are like the cast are all back together like it's a british sitcom from the 70s and you see their smiling faces and you know what that really lifts that film. It's a rather downbeat yeah. ending and everyone's just smiling. It's like they're still alive when they are most definitely dead. <laughs> like the <laughs> most beautiful. dead you could possibly be. <laughs> um, that's kind of cool. But I, I think the sort of like legacy of GoldenEye also continues with with Perfect Dark, um, as you mentioned. So like Rez, other kind of spy FPS on the N64, which did get its own Xbox. Um uh Xbox Live Arcade remake and then you have those who left Rare and formed Free Radical Design and their Time Splitters games that mm-hmm. I think definitely carries a lot of the GoldenEye. There's a spy section um, in DNA. that as well. In... Mm, mm. Um but then you have the kind of like more cynical approach where you have for instance GoldenEye Rogue Agent. Yeah. And so this is what I'm talking about when it's sort of like ruining games, Bond games forever, because <laughs> I remember this game, it gets announced and it says GoldenEye is coming back. They're, they're remaking GoldenEye? What's going on? And it's EA Games taking the name, giving the protagonist a golden eye. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Now, here's the thing. It's actually, I think, a really hilarious, great idea. It the, the game starts, the first level is you on a mission with James Bond, and then you kill James Bond. What M says you kill James Bond, but what actually happens is that your, your helicopter crashes into Fort Knox, and Bond is like hanging from a propeller, going, oh, hang on, I'm slipping. Ah! <laughs> he, he dies like a real punk. <laughs> Ooh, hang um, on, I'm sleeping. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, I'm not joking. Famous last words. <laughs> hey, hey,
directly responsible for the death of 007. Your tactics are inexcusable. There's no place at MI6 for an agent like you. You're dismissed. Um, turns out this whole first mission was VR simulator, like what we saw in Die Another Day. So you don't actually kill Bond. But then you end up being kicked out of MI6 because in the simulation you're being horribly violent and you get involved with Goldfinger, who's sort of at war. There's like a villain civil war happening. So somehow all these villains are not dead from Bond's shenanigans. And <laughs> well, maybe got... it was happened before he even did his like first mission. <laughs> I just, who fucking knows? I mean, people think that in between Quantum of Solace, the film, and Skyfall, the film, all the Bond films happens. And so that's why he feels so old in well, Skyfall. I mean, going on to just hopping over to 007 Legends, yeah. which has Daniel Craig revisiting past exploits from other Bonds. Um, but that's the whole game takes place within the moment he falls uh, off the bridge into the title sequence for Skyfall. Yeah. And it's him having these flashbacks to Moonraker and uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll be, Die so Another Day. All these memories or fantasies, isn't it? Because it's like he, he he remembers the entirety of of uh, only on the Majesty's Secret Service where he gets married and then, spoilers, <laughs> his wife gets shot and he's like, of, again, a terribly rendered Daniel Craig is like cradling the head of his wife. But Can't... it's also like the original faces. Like I, I think it is Diana Rigg, isn't it? And yeah, well, we'll talk a bit about Legends here. I suppose it's very confusing. It's also <laughs> like the one of the worst games I've played. In fact, I guess we can put these two film these you two games. It. To... Yeah, got, let's put these two games together. Both. So, although I love the concept actually of GoldenEye despite its cynicism it's a very clunky shooter game it's really bad and legends was one of the worst games i've ever ever played i think <laughs> i think i got it back in the days when love film was like sending games to people so i had like a couple of weeks to play it i think uh, so i speeded through it and there's this real uncanny valley vibe because you have the face of daniel craig but somebody else is doing his voice and it's like a passable Im impression but it's still wrong and then you have the likenesses of a lot of the supporting cast like honor blackman's likeness as Go pussy galore but not her voice and then mm. <laughs> most funnily i think um the actor sorry i'm just getting hold of him one of the missions is based around license to kill. And I think Robert Davy. Oh, who's recently been announced that he's directing Lawrence Fox as Hunter Biden in a new oh, movie. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's Robert Davy is actually a massive MAGA guy now. Um, but his, he's voiced by an actor called Rob David, <laughs> which really, <laughs> really abusive. So you've got this weird uncanny valley. And like, I mean, it's actually got, despite being an awful, awful game, like it's got broken stealth sections and again it's just copying call of duty it does have a moonraker mission and i just it was some really spectacular zero gravity shooting games because like there's bits when it reminds me of the game dead space where you're you're floating around and shooting and, and shooting people as they fly off into space and like if if you built a whole game around that mechanic it would be great but alas 
it isn't. And and so uh, it was made by Eurocom. And then in 2012, they fired like 150 people from a total of 200 staff and decided to focus on mobile games. And yeah, yeah I think Activision dropped the license. Yeah, again, it's one of those that point as well. Talking about licenses, like it only was on sale for like like a year or less even because the license was snatched away. And so you can find it for less than a pound, I think, in CEX and places, but it got stricken from like all the downloadable versions. And I also saw that like the game didn't have the Skyfall chapter that was sort of added as DLC later, but then that was only available for a limited time too. So unless you buy the Wii U version on disc, you cannot play the Skyfall chapter either, even if you like yeah. if you haven't downloaded it back in 2012 i managed to download that dlc and it's basically bond on a motorcycle and it's fucking shit it's so <laughs> so bad I did, but what about what about the fist fight stuff because i saw a clip yeah and there's like these bits where you do like first person like qte boxing yeah. with like blowfeld again terrible because it's actually a really good idea in in conception because you it's qte you know that you so you can have like more animated fights but every time you are prompted to use QTE it slows down so you're just you're having a fist fight but it's slowing down every 2 seconds and it, and it's just really just goes to a crawl it has none of the energy um i mean by comparison we actually did get some 007 fighting in i think everything or nothing and from russia of love and yes it doesn't look great you have got like bond sort of flapping his arms around a bit and looking really <laughs> weird <laughs> and i've got i watched a cut scene of everything or nothing where bond is told to be he's going to be executed by his two goons in a room and all these goons have to do is to pull the trigger but we still allow, allow bond to sort of run a semicircle around the room get stuck on a the table then start kicking about <laughs> <laughs> i think in that version you, you like i think one button controlled his fists and his legs and it's just like it's you like know octo dad 007 pretty much it's really funny to watch so i think but you know they've only got themselves to blame um but yes you're talking about we've been talking about daniel craig face replacement haven't he and he's actually been inserted into another game another well, yeah, so, even. well yeah so like they did remake goldeneye 007 for the wii and then that was released as reloaded um on other consoles and using sort of wii motion controls to do all your kind of shooting and stuff but it's just like like i remember that game sort of coming out and it was a bit like okay so we're not going to release original goldeneye we're going to just like remake it from the ground up but i just imagine like going to daniel craig and being like so um, we're going to make a game about like this Pierce Brosnan movie. <laughs> um, apparently the game's really popular. I want to capitalize it. Um, we're just going to stick you in the game instead. <laughs> it's just such a weird yeah, proposition. I mean, I mean we, like, so just... Daniel Craig, star of Lara Croft Tomb Raider. So we know he knows video games. And apparently he is a gamer. I dug up some interviews. Um, and according to one of the developers of the... Uh, quantum of solace game when they visited him at pinewood studios during filming they were held up by half an hour because he was busy playing guitar hero (laughs) oh yeah um and there is a quote i found from showbiz spy so i don't know if this is true in the slightest (laughs) 
But he says, I play games, hands up. I'm quite into ones that have a big fat story line. Halo is good because it's shooting aliens. <laughs> <laughs> well, Those he was ultra- in Cowboy versus Aliens. Yeah, he was. Those ultra-violent ones I can play for half an hour and then I feel dirty. Vice City, for example, I think, oh yes, all right, I've stolen 18 cars, I've had enough now. And then he said, when I started signing contracts for Bond, I said, I'm not doing the computer game. And they said, tough, you are. <laughs> I said to the people making the Bond game, you've got to make this good because there is so much rubbish out there. Yeah, well, <laughs> I guess then he's got like a, he does get a thrill out of seeing his face in his games, but um, he's not voiced any of his um, counterparts. I don't think. Okay. No. No, sorry. I tell. I tell. I will do a complete one eighty on that. I'm sorry. He no. He did voice all his, all his. Uh, well, let me see here. Uh, yes, he voiced all of them. So scratch okay. that. Uh, but yeah, it's it's. It sounds it's, like he's aware of video games. So maybe it's not such a weird proposition for be like, oh, Goldeneye was a successful game. Let's capitalize on that and remake it for modern times. It's like, like it's just like classic text. It's kind of, I just got this vision of like Pierce Brosnan going into his bedroom and finding Daniel Craig there in his pajamas. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it's a good... It's a rare photograph of Sean Connery signed by Roger Moore. Oh man, you know what? When Roger Moore passed away, bless him, the thing I was most sad about is that I'd never get a chance to meet him and ask him to sign a picture of Sean Connery. <laughs> I'm sure he would actually, yes. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. Um, so, so Goldeneye Reloaded... It's a pretty, again, it's not the best shooter ever. It's pretty bog standard. Um, all these games seem extremely linear. Again, none of them, I think the closest sort of some of the later Bond games came to being a bit more open world was is stuff like um, The World Is Not Enough, um, which is also a first-person shooter. But I feel like the, I think even those sort of off the beaten track moments feel a little bit scripted it's sort of like it's like a shortcut in america where it's not a game breaking shortcut it's like oh no here's here's some another way you can do it if you want but you know mm. so um but the world is not enough was also made by eurocom and i think like the n64 version at least was maybe one of the closest successes to the original Goldeneye helps that it's on the same console, but yeah, the first the the single player stuff was maybe a bit more uh, like linear and um, set piece oriented. But I remember enjoying the multiplayer, particularly because you could run around as Judy Dench with a machine gun. Yes, in fact, um, I found an interview. This is actually an interview with um, the aforementioned um, Bruce Feirstein. Um, and he was talking about scripting everything or nothing. And this line I really enjoyed. He just says, um, um, I think what this game shows is the kind of convergence that goes on. Whereas this has become such a big, important entertainment medium, as in games, we are now able to attract that kind of talent. I mean, Judy Dench in an electronic game? <laughs> <laughs> electronic game. <laughs> well, uh, do we want to talk about everything or nothing then? Yeah, so I think in in James Bond fan circles, this is this is I think it's often almost pips Goldeneye 007 to the post a bit because they decided finally to go um, third person, and I think for me 
I would, because I, I was always saying, oh, Bond isn't a mass murderer. He's not always shooting people. Um, even though, again, like, as I said earlier, Bond kills kind of like the population of a small town in like in his Bond films to date. Um, but we got to see him fight. And although it appeared in other Bond games, um, we got to see him drive. And there are some pretty decent set pieces, like when there's a really brilliant scene when you kind of jump off like a really long cliff. I mean, you know how the uh, runway in one of those Fast and Furious films was calculated to be like several miles long. Like this, this you're falling forever down this cliffside. It's a bit like Wiley Coyote, pretty much. Um, <laughs> it had a kind of all star cast. I think in that sequence, you're chasing, you're 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 pursuing a falling Shannon Elizabeth, and mm-hmm. they made a big deal about casting Willem Dafoe as the Bond villain, which was like such a good idea. But he has like a really strong Russian accent, and you're like, why did you hire him to put on a comedy Russian accent? You could like literally have got anyone from the cast of Black Widow. To... It sounds like it seems like such a waste, though. Like they wasted Willem Dafoe being a Bond villain in like a middling video game. <laughs> At least we meet face-to-face, Mr. Bond. I've been looking forward to this ever since you killed Max Soren. Then I assume you're looking forward to suffering the same fate. Pity you're not as quick with your gun as you are with the car. What did you do with the girl? She's been taken care of. Help! Get your hands off me! Too bad, Mr. Bond. By winning that race, you lost your life and hers. Good night. Prepare to die, Mr. Bond. You first. Watch it, intruder! Yeah, but I mean, I've had a lot of fun playing it, and I it was Pierce, we wouldn't know it at the time, but it was Pierce Brosnan fight well this is like the only time pierce brosnan lend his voice to a game so we we skip we didn't actually mention these but there are two bond games on the gamecube agent under fire and nightfall agent under fire night fire night fire sorry so agent under fire and night fire (laughs) um yeah i keep on getting them confused because they both got fire in the title yeah and whereas i think agent under fire has like a generic bond face um, with a generic Bond voice, Nightfire had Pierce Brosnan's likeness, but not like not even an attempt to mimic his voice. It is extremely <laughs> unsettling. <laughs> so <laughs> we finally got Pierce Brosnan in to do his voice. I think we had cameos from um, Jaws. He's in there. It's so funny, well, starring I mean... Richard Ke- Richard starring Richard Keel as the mute Jaws. <laughs> There have been more digital versions of Richard Keel than I think Sonic the Hedgehog at this point. <laughs> because it's just like every single Bond video game, doesn't matter what era it's set in, it'll have odd job and jaws just as mm. henchmen. Which I mean, maybe it says more about the fact that there haven't been notable henchmen in Bond films in yeah. recent years. But I almost kind of feel like 
I think there's like a Nintendo Direct happening and there might be the final Smash character. I would not be surprised <laughs> if it was Jaws from James Bond all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, Spectre had Dave Bautista as someone called Hinks and I was avoiding trailers this time around. And so the film starts and like Hinks shows up. He shows up at a meeting where Spectre is discussing how to deal with one of their number who've died. They need to replace one of their number. And Hinks shows up and just kills another member of Spectre. Like, we're going to have to have a meeting about that guy now. But Dave Bautista is actually a really good actor. And as the film went on, I was like, oh, is he going to say anything? Oh, he's a silent henchman. And I was really upset. (laughs) It's like, oh, man. Um, Funnily enough, there's like this is how like kind of um how much james bond fans obsess on photographs there's like being photographs of this one particular actor who we think is playing a henchman and like in every photo or poster his eye looks a little bit in shade and we're wondering oh is he like is he got like a magic eye or something but it could absolutely 100 percent be just like the shadow on the photograph <laughs> Maybe it's Goldeneye Rogue Agent. I mean, again, this is like, this is not a spoiler. This is just like a massive fat rumor that everyone keeps thinking that um, um, who's Rami Malek. Need for Speed's Rami Malek. Everyone's thinking Need for Speed's Rami Malek is is Dr. No. And this this episode is like releasing the day before the film. So let's see if it states. But everyone's thinking that Rami Rami Malek is going to be Dr. No. And I remember when a photo was shown and everyone's like immediately zeroing in on his hands, zoom enhance his hands because Dr. No has metal hands. It's like, oh, he's got flesh hands. Oh, maybe he's like colored his metal hands to look like flesh. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> maybe he's a cyborg. Maybe he's a cyborg. Anyway, um, we were talking about henchmen. We were talking about Jaws uh, and we're Jaws talking about everything, everything or nothing. nothing. So, yeah, I think that's definitely the silver medal. Um, of Bond games. Um, I mean, they tried to capture the lightning in the bottle again, but probably just burnt their hands <laughs> with From Russia of Love, which was famously, um, it, I think it used the same engine as Everything or Nothing, but Sean Connery was back as Bond. I'm absolutely thrilled to be playing James Bond again. May I help you? A dry martini. Shaken, not stuff. Having Connery in the game has affected the game's design in the fighting style. He was more of a brawler. You know, he grabbed the characters and threw them to the ground. It'll be interesting to go back to the physicality of one-on-one. We've also used the way that he held the gun and, of course, what he wore. Which subconsciously tells you so much about a movie whenever you see it. In the game, we spent a lot of time making sure the characters came to life. Of course, it goes without saying that special attention was paid to getting Sean Connery just right. It's one of the best-looking digital characters you're going to find in a video game today. The eye is good. The mouth is good. In fact, this looks better than the original. Oh, I'm madly in love with him. There's a real excitement to going back to the roots of James Bond, going back to the early 60s. We're doing something that people thought they would never see, bringing back the original James Bond, Sean Connery. He hasn't been in a video game before. This is my debut. And it's the first time in years that he's played James Bond again. I don't think it's dated at all. To go back to the 60s, this will be something almost like starting all over again. 
I I find that fascinating that like considering his kind of retirement after League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and like his general misgivings about Bond I mean yeah he came back for Never Say Never Again but it's not like he seemed particularly engaged with that part of his life so I don't know I think part of it must have been some massive paycheck Oh, yeah. And also, it seemed like the recording studio was based in the Bahamas where he lives, so <laughs> or lived. Um, so I think that probably helped too. Yeah, I mean, Connery, he's always kind of tried to disown the Bond thing, but I feel kind of understandably because I think signing on to this film about some stupid spy going to like the Bahamas and you know, he didn't think it was going to be like the 20th century's like most iconic action adventure hero so he 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 was definitely not given enough money you know he was um and i read i was reading i've been reading this book um called uh some kind of hero the remarkable story of the james bond films by matthew feet and aj chowdhury and um (laughs) he actually showed up on set for um while pierce brosnan was filming the world is not enough and like the literally only thing he said to pierce was are they paying you enough (laughs) (laughs) um so i think he did do this for like a big fat paycheck um and there is a certain i've not played it i must admit i've played a demo i think there is a certain thrill of seeing i mean just seeing a game set in the 60s just seems so rare um yeah, and I think I'd like to see that in whatever Bond game there. It's to be nice to like get away from the mobile phone does everything gadgetry mm. kind of stuff and just like have a sixties era set video game world yeah. to play in. And I with mean, all the obviously, kind of limitations and that entails as well. Yeah, I mean we've done World War Two a lot, so you know. We, we we it's not beyond the realms of possibility for a video game to be set maybe a couple of decades later um <laughs> but yes he returns he looks like connery in his prime but he sounds like connery just out of bed <laughs> he's, he's it is really you know it's again it's it's the the the, the burden of a james bond fan um sweet and sour or sweet and salt how how like, does his voice performance um, rank against his uh, performance in Sir Billy? Yeah, for those who don't know, Sir Billy, I think, is a animated movie. I think it might have been Sean Connery's last actor performance, but it was a film entirely produced within Scotland and, and nothing against the Scottish at all. <laughs> but um, it, it did not have the resources I mean, they no, did I not don't... have the most talented bunch of people. That's got. No, let, let's let's just clarify. Actually, is it probably isn't to do with being Scottish in general. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking about um, Stuart Lee, who says he talks about a Scottish paedophile, the worst kind of paedophile. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I'm not. I'm not throwing shade on Scottish animators. It was definitely this this passion project by a couple of people who shouldn't be making an animated movie in the first place, and somehow they got into the good graces of Sean Connery, and somehow he ends up. Long story short, being this pensioner who drives an Aston Martin, but also rides a skateboard, and he rescues animals in the Scottish Highlands. Alan Cumming, Golden Eyes Alan Cumming plays just 
It's a, it's a stressing looking woodland creature. I can't even remember what he's playing. I think he's meant to be a sexy goat. He's a goat. And I think he's dressed as like a Kill Bill. He's wearing like a yellow and black Game of Death Kill Bill jumpsuit. It's just, I mean, Rory very kindly bought it for one for me for one birthday and it is one of my most treasured items and that was the thing i really wanted to watch when i heard that sean connery passed away <laughs> um yeah um, tribute to his legacy yeah i mean i'm surprised that glass B- of whiskey and a copy of Sibili. yeah bbc should have played that as a tribute <laughs> um so yeah i mean i think it wasn't a particularly spectacular game as as I think is, a, is I was learning is a common refrain with these James Bond games, and it was probably just made all the more weird by Connery's old voice coming. I mean, it, it always tickles me how like in A View to a Kill, Britain's top secret agent is like pushing sixty. <laughs> There's a scene where they go for like horse racing, and they 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 what then like. Everyone's like really old, and Molly Penny's in like a proper granny blouse, and it's like, oh blimey, this is Britain's best hope. <laughs> um, well, you know, old Connery playing young from Russia with Love Bond is not a million miles away from the Avatars, which uh, we're all very excited for. Avatars, Avatars. Oh, oh Ab- sorry, I didn't realize. Abba. I didn't realize. I didn't realise that was their name, Avatars. <sighs> Why didn't Ava ever do a Bond song? That would have been good. Um, or maybe not. There's still as... time. <laughs> There's still time. It's funny, looking through this list, um, to the very next Bond game, we're not we're we're getting towards, I think, maybe the end of, of our discussion. Now I know we've skipped some, but I kind of was reading this book I keep going on about, and um I was reading about Quantum of Solace, which also happened to be the next uh, James Bond video game. This is the one which I mentioned was kind of half Quantum of Solace, half Casino Royale. And I was reading an interview with um, director Roger Mitchell, who um, helmed Notting Hill, but he was one of the earlier contenders for the film Quantum of Solace. And um, he says that... He arrives and he meets Bond producer Barbara Broccoli and she says, I know this might seem a little odd, but would you mind taking a meeting now with the people who are designing a video game of the next film? So I sat down and went through the motions with these very enthusiastic Americans who are about to start designing a video game for a film that hasn't yet been scripted. I think that just gives you an interesting window into sort of making licensed games isn't it because i guess when you're making bond games there's certain things you feel like you should include but you know it's not we're not talking about the n64 golden night days where they take a look of a film and think this we could use this we can use this they're trying to make quantum of solace which famously like took two years to make and you know bonkers <laughs> and uh roger michelle just passed away Roger, oh, the director. Oh. Yeah, I saw it trending on Twitter just uh, this afternoon. Oh, well, you know, I think in the same interview, he talks about how he turned down directing Casino Royale because he saw an earlier draft of the script, which he hated, but then he loved the film. So that's why it was in the runnings. But I can't remember why he, he left the project, but I think it just wasn't to be. 
Um, but I've not played the game quite with Solace, and I think with this and uh, what other games? That Bloodstone. Are? Bloodstone. I think I would like to play Bloodstone, but I think these these games I've missed. It's like how much do I want to engage with a middle tier, mid two thousands game? And well, Bloodstone piqued my interest because it was made by Bizarre Creations, who did Metropolis Street Racer and the Project Gotham racing mm-hmm. games. But then they were soon closed down because it didn't sell very well either. So that's another studio killed by Bond. That's a real poison um, chalice, isn't it? Yeah. But maybe all these video game studios are evil organizations like Blizzard. So, you know, he's taking them down from the inside. But we need more video games to be made so we can have movies based on them. No, that's true. Now, supply and demand. Um. So Quantum of Solace happened, if anyone you already mentioned, 007 Legends happened. And, you know, just briefly touching on that again, the, the idea of, I think all Bond fans would love there to be a Bond game which tackles each of the films. And this seemed like your best chance. Um, but as well as this sort of bizarre notion that Bond might be having some sort of brain death episode. <laughs> <laughs> and he's thinking about spaceships and skiing and oil and and and, and golden ladies who knows maybe um, the, the final level it sort of like cuts and it sort of zooms out and it's james bond in like a hospital like yeah. in a coma and just like all these people are having conversations about yeah weird exactly. things like going to space and ice palaces and invisible cars and it's just like all being manufactured in his brain yeah i mean the thing is as well as being kind of inherently broken as a as a game play experience they were also kind of fitting square pegs into round holes when it came to like the films because like there's only so much action in goldfinger as they they selected goldfinger uh on her majesty's secret service um uh license to kill moonraker and die another day and i've got fondness for all these films but that nobody's rushing to play die another day the video game <laughs> <laughs> but and just and also like the the sequence the skyfall sequence when you it's just, just the first the problem with video games is you're having to add too much stuff by which i mean the sequence in skyfall when bond is chasing that guy um on the train it's like one guy chasing another guy but in the 007 legends version bond goes out onto the balcony and he's immediately shot at by like five people like (laughs) where are all these henchmen coming from it's so um it's nuts and i I think that sort of like cuts to the core about the sort of like issue of you know as we've established like making a bond video game and it, it is interesting where there are those outliers and maybe they you know, maybe aren't necessarily better at being uh, a video game based on Bond or more like James Bond as a result. But for instance, you have 007 Racing, which Mm -hmm. was a PlayStation exclusive, which is more kind of actually no real racing involved. It's more like vehicle combat, kind of like, I don't know, Twisted Metal or Vigilante 8 or something. But you basically spend the whole game in your your car or at least various cars and you can imagine which bond actors inside them i guess pierce brosnan yeah (laughs) um 
but that's sort of interesting in of itself. And then, as you mentioned, like the the Game Boy RPG, which has like a different approach um, to James Bond. And then there was uh, the Stealth Affair. Oh, we don't know that which, one. Which was, I think it was like developed without the Bond license and then it got the license and then they kind of re-added Bond into it. It was like this kind of fake version of Bond. And as a result, it doesn't quite fit like this character was called um, John Glames, I think. Um, so everyone calls him Glames and he works for the CIA, but then they retrofitted it. So it's James Bond now, but it's, it's kind of like uh, more like a point and click adventure, which I think is like a nice approach to doing a bit more kind of spy mystery thriller mission based stuff. And I know that, uh the sort of head of telltale games i think at one point was like asked oh whatever stuff would you like to make and he was like bond would be a really good idea for a telltale Mm. game because it's not very actually james bond isn't so action-led and you could have some really interesting elements i mean with that i'm picturing scenes in i think dr no and from russian Rav, the earliest bond films where bond returns to his hotel room and investigates his own hotel room for bugs and things i mean that is a point and click thing for yeah. sure if you don't find the bug then you know this path of the story unlocks this way instead and if you do find the bug then you know they don't hear what you're ordering for room service <laughs> so they can't spike that drink or something um yeah i mean i think the very technically very last james bond video game is the official mobile game called world of espionage which i have not touched <laughs> i have i i, I think I, I went to the page on like the android store and it is 100 percent a sort of pay to play kind of game and like you know it's basically about i mean i'll read briefly the synopsis where it's like it's a simple menu-based role-playing game played from the perspective of an intelligence agency commander, finding, recruiting, and developing teams of agents. Does any of that sound like being James Bond? No. <laughs> and Is, is I, that part of the quote? <laughs> um, I, I'm just skimming through the wiki entry. There's, there's a, a socialite called Ruby Cox, which sounds kind of Bondy, but it's like, it's just, just horrible. It's so depressing just to think about is it called world of espionage because that's w-o-e whoa might be um there's like you know, i'm just looking at a screenshot i'm looking at a screenshot and you know it's just looks like a trading card game there's just lots of it's all sexy ladies one's got some binoculars one's wearing a skin tight leather outfit the only thing um the only thing which basically gives a hint that it's James Bond is that there's the little 007 logo at the top right-hand corner, and just that's it. It just actually makes me upset to look at it, so I'm going to close that window now. <laughs> I mean, I guess there are like other like unofficial attempts at like trying to invoke Bond without the license uh, in the lights of James Pond and James Pond 2 Robocod, where you play a fish spy <laughs> yeah there's, there's always call like for official spy. games there are flat fun platform games there was sly spy which is probably like the closest thing to a bond game on nintendo switch at the moment because it's an old 
arcade game which i did uh i did sort of play and it's it's like a thinly veiled sort of james bond pastiche where you run around shooting things but it just seems like there was like one boss battle where the the villain was just throwing like loads of tigers at you and you just had to like shoot lots and lots of tigers it was really depressing these are these are endangered species well they've just announced a second season of tiger king for netflix so i'd like to see Uh where this is going um i actually have downloaded something called agent a on the switch um which is kind of like point and click adventure you're normally presented like a room and you have to search for things to connect to other things but although not explicit it's called agent a a puzzle in disguise and i think it's like cheapest chips on steam or whatever but um although i mean at the end of the day i was gonna say though he doesn't look like bond but come on he's wearing a tux who other spy wears a tux than james bond and james bond ripoffs but it's really really good but that's that's the thing it's just like james bond has entered the is like the model idea of a spy. So like the uh, the parody or pastiche or clone well runs very, very deep. So, you know, you can find Bond influence and from anything from Gex, Enter the Gecko or whatever, um, to uh, Confidential Mission, the uh, Dreamcast light gun game, which... Um, very much enjoyed i remember i was talking i was talking this up there was only two light gun games for the dreamcast yes and it was like confidential mission and house of the dead 2 we owned them both and yes i guess in this nintendo direct they're announcing a new periphery a new controller maybe it's a light gun and maybe we're gonna get confidential mission too well we're getting house of the dead remake well we are doing a house of the dead remake okay exciting times we, we don't often like to date our episodes within a couple of hours of recording, but we're doing it today. <laughs> um, so I guess all that's really left to talk about is the future. And very excitingly, I think is it earlier this year or late last year, the creators of the Hitman franchise, which um, had two video game movies, just, just saying. <laughs> um, IO Listen Inter- to previous episodes. Yeah. IO Interactive. Uh, have announced something called Project 007. And it's got a website um, with a teaser trailer, but I think it's just showing the logo and bits Mm. of a gun. But um, there's a description. Um, It reads on the website, it's Bond, James Bond. Project 007, working title, is a brand new James Bond video game to be developed and published by IO Interactive. Featuring a wholly original Bond story, players will step into the shoes of the world's favourite secret agent to earn their double O status in the very first James Bond origin story. You know, there's been some time since the last big attempt at a Bond game. This has a lot of potential to be something extremely exciting, and it goes without saying that the Hitman games with their sort of espionage and assassin sensibilities, it feels like a very good fit for a Bond mm. project. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. There's there's a, a part of me which kind of rolls my eyes at the idea of, of Bond earning his 00 status because it just feels like a lot of pop culture is, is looking back instead of looking forward. It depends, I guess, whether or not they, they're going to hew closely to um james bond like literary um Mm. 
Hmm. Because he he gets he gets his double O status after killing two enemy agents in the books: a Japanese spy in the Rockefeller Center, and a Norwegian double agent. Um, I don't know where that is, but obviously this was like the the middle of the twentieth century, so you know that would be updated. I mean, if they sounds want... like the tutorial. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they if they wanted to go down the film route, they could have an entire game based around fighting a man in a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> shooting a man in an office and shooting a man in an office and <laughs> that would be pretty ballsy <laughs> it's like it's at disc two the office <laughs> you can tell me what you would like but you would hope that they're not going to go down a golden eye clone again this feels like the possibility there's going to be a, a, a clean break and a fresh start yeah and i i, I agree i think this is a, a match of sort of developer based on their previous games and you know we mentioned when the hitman episodes just how the replay value of those games and like the way the most recent hitman kind of like reboot trilogy that they've done um has really sort of like definitely sort of captivated the sort of uh people watching highlights on youtube and streamers and all this kind of stuff like different ways and methods in order to do these assassinations so there's there's a lot of um potential to apply that model um on a on on james bond and use the the as we sort of mentioned like the james bond sort of branding and polish and sheen and and all that kind of stuff um to those mechanics but you know obviously they don't have to make hitman but with bond skin on top they can do something else entirely and it'd be nice to have a range of different um options you know like you know your driving sections and your more stealthy stuff and yeah sure maybe a, a few more action moments too but just have that kind of balance you know like how the films have a bit more you know have quiet stuff and loud stuff and <laughs> maybe some sexy stuff i don't know <laughs> yeah i think it would be a shame if it was basically a hitman game with a bond skin stretched over it and I think wrapping up this whole conversation, um, I'm sort of thinking about games like Batman Arkham Asylum, where after many Batman games, you felt like Batman for the first time. And I feel like we haven't had that moment with Bond yet. I just get a sense with IO Interactive that they probably care enough to have a really good think about what will make you feel like Bond. Um, But my wish list, I I tweeted this earlier, I, I would love to sidestep the whole who should be the next James Bond thing, I hope you get to create your Bond character. I think it would be brilliant if you could have a character creation system, like in Mass Effect or whatever, and you could make a male or female Bond of looking any way you want. And I think that would be quite neat. And I think when you create your character in a game, you always feel a little bit more attached. So... I guess my wish list is not a first-person shooter, feeling like you're James Bond, not like Commando or Rambo in a tuxedo, um, and um, character creation, and maybe a game of cards every now and then. So, we've talked at length about Bond, and... If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I'm always trying to bring James Bond into the conversation. Have I got it out of my system? Only time. 
no time to die. No, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, we're basically, we, hit, we talk about three things here. Video games, James Bond and Simpsons. And so we've done quite now well. we've done episodes of all three. <laughs> as long as Alan Partridge releases a video game, then we're sorted. I actually, I did look up, I Googled um, Austin Powers video games as it happens. And I was reminded there's like three terrible kind of Game Boy Color. Game Boy Color, yeah. I, I was a pinball game as well. And, you know, if you want to see a very low resolution version of Dr. Evil sort of touching his little finger to his mouth on repeat, then that is the game for you. <laughs> It looked like a desktop computer screen, and your your controller was moving a mouse pointer to like files with like Doctor Evil's cat in the middle there. And I thought, oh my god, this was made with contempt, not even disinterest. <laughs> like how how much can we charge people for this game? This is where you say one million dollars, but you know, um, a million dollars. <laughs> Well, it's been a while since I've seen those films. I've forgotten how to do the voices. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, M- Michael Mike Myers definitely hasn't. Um, <laughs> but anyway, been a pleasure talking, getting this bond off my chest. Um, but in the meantime, how can people stay in touch with games and film? You can find more information about video game movies and movies based on video games. Well, that's the same thing. And games based on films, uh, the whole gamut, on our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast. We're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at gamesonfilmpod. You can contact us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. And you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast, SoundCloud. Just like, rate, review, share, and subscribe wherever possible. And uh, we're also reachable individually. I'm on Twitter at... Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. Well, I'm not quite sure what we're doing next, actually. But I mean, I'm I'm very much viewing my life as before No Time to Die and after No Time to Die. And well, I think it's October, so (gasps) maybe we'll get spooky season underway. Mm, Yeah. Um, Are there any video game movies with zombies in it, perchance? (laughs) (laughs) hmm maybe maybe. anyway we'll see you then on the other side of nightmares (laughs) (laughs) take care bye 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 (laughs) (laughs) other side of nightmares sounds like a bond title good outro for a bond episode Stop it!